decades after I left the church, I was still dealing with sexual hangups from the church because the Mormon church is insanely intense about sex. It is as evil, literally, the, in the hierarchy of evil things, having sex before marriage, it comes right below murder. So, we've tackled Judaism, Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Westboro Baptist Church so far on the On the Edge with Andrew Gold podcast. And that can only mean one thing. It's finally time for the Mormons. And I've got none other than Dan Beecher, one half of the famous Frank and Dan, who host the Thank God I'm Atheist podcast. I actually appeared as a guest on their podcast to discuss my exorcism film for the BBC, and I've no doubt that some of our listeners cross over. Theirs is absolutely huge in popularity. Straight out of Utah, there are a couple of ex-Mormons who discuss all things atheism. Dan also has a massive podcast show called The How-To Heretic, so both touch on atheism, cults, religions, and all that stuff that you and I can't get enough of. We discuss everything from the late British atheist and thought leader Christopher Hitchens to haters and polyamory as opposed to the polygamy Mormonism is famous for. We discuss that too and get to the bottom of it. Like most of these podcast interviews, we dip in and out of serious themes and lighter moments that bring some levity to proceedings. I mean, you don't want to be sad for an hour and neither do I, but it does get a little intense as Dan describes certain aspects of his childhood. His mind conflicted as he searched for a sign from God that would never come. This exasperation and pressure left irreversible marks on his psyche, touching everything, including his sex life. Remember to subscribe to this podcast so you don't forget about it. Oh, and by the way, Dan said he didn't mind me leaving in the bit about burping. You'll see what I mean. And we start now with me realizing what I look like with a polo neck sweater I quickly put on after getting stains on my t-shirt. You look good yourself. Oh, thank you. You know what? This is this looks ridiculous. I just spilled chocolate. That's why I'm a minute late because I spilled chocolate oh. on my t-shirt and I just put a jumper on and I look like I'm a James Bond thing now. I think you should look like you're a James Bond thing. <laughs> I like it. Do you mind? I'm so sorry. Do you mind giving me 30 seconds? I'm just going to put a t-shirt on. Look, Go look ahead. Look at this. You're great. Look at this. <laughs> oh, God. Sorry about that. <laughs> no problem. Oh, my God. I, just like it always happens. I don't do anything for like an hour. I'm just sort of, I was just sort of <laughs> thinking about questions and stuff. And then the last minute, I'm like, I've got like chocolate down my T-shirt. <laughs> I oh, get it. I get God. it. So I'm just putting you on. I'm all out of breath now. I'm not, I'm not always like this. Well, you know, because I was on your podcast. You look, your whole thing looks good, by the way. And please. If oh, you, good. Is this where you always do it? Well, yeah. I mean, so at one point... We were set up so that we would, because we thought we would do a YouTube channel as well. And we got really elaborate about it. I've got, we even have, here, I'll show you this. Look at this. A TGIA, like a, uh, <laughs> wow. a, a, a neon sign made up and everything. My wife's an interior designer. So I was like, yeah, let's just do it upright. And then we decided that video was like a lot of work. But you guys have got so many followers, I, I think. Just from being on your show, I got like a lot more people listening to mine that week. Good, good. I'm glad. It's like an extra 500 or 600 people just that Woo! week. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. Wait, I am powerful, man. <laughs> I am a, 
I'm a media god. Yeah, I was going to say, for an atheist, you're quite a godly character. You got the whole beard <laughs> and everything. You could be. Yeah, right? I could be a Mormon prophet with this thing. <laughs> yeah, I think so. How long have you guys been going? We just had our ninth anniversary. Fucking hell. Right? That's mad. Yeah. That's a thousand years in podcast years. We are fucking Methuselah of podcasting. Man. Methuselah? Which one's that? Oh, in the Old Testament, Methuselah was the one who lived... I think 969 years, according to the Old Testament, which uh, doesn't jive with how I understand how human bodies work and everything. But there you go. Moses lived like a, a thousand years or something. I, I think Methuselah is the longest one. And that's why he's famous. He only made right. it. I don't know that we know how long Moses. Actually, Moses, did he even die or wasn't he just sort of spirited away? Well, he's not at my place. He's not here. But I, I, we used to have, because my family's Jewish, so we used to have like Passover, you know, once a right. year. Uh, and I remember just being like a teenager and we were at Passover and everyone was like, come on, we've got to do all this stuff. And I was like, you know, Moses wasn't real. And everyone was just stunned. Because <laughs> I was, I, I, now I wouldn't say that, there's no point, but I think people were just like, what? Cause no, but nobody had even, you, now we've got Wikipedia, you know? Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you're right. It, uh, it just is this sort of accepted bit of wisdom that of course... There was a Moses. I mean, uh, you know, the Old Testament was part of my upbringing as well. Yeah. So, of course, there was a Moses. And then you're like, well, but there's no archaeological evidence anywhere else that this happened. Probably not. <laughs> you just sort of have to take it as as read, don't you? It's a, it's a strange, strange thing. So you guys have been going for nine years. Huge following now out of... Are most of your listeners from Utah? No, no, no. Uh, we, I mean, at this point... It's kind of all over the place. We got a lot of listeners in Australia. We got a bunch in the UK, just kind of all over. Strangely, this is what baffles me. So I, I actually have two podcasts. Uh, mm. Thank God I'm Atheist and The How-To Heretic, which you should check out. You'd really dig it. Both are sort of about religion and, you know, Thank God I'm Atheist is more of a current events type show from a secular perspective. How to Heretics are sort of explores all the weirdness that is religion. Oh, I had a point. Wait, what was your question? Uh, the, I think the original one was where are most people listening from? Oh, right. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is so weird is that we've got a huge following. We've got quite a large following throughout Scandinavia, which A, you know, I, I've been to Scandinavia. They all speak English, but I think it's weird that they're listening to an English language podcast, but also it's so secular throughout almost all of Scandinavia, I think they're just fascinated by the concept. They like it, It's so foreign to them that they just want to hear what the fuck is happening. But isn't that most people aren't most people listening because they are atheists? I can't imagine religious people want to be challenged. No, we don't have a lot of uh, believing listeners. Um, as is evidenced by, it's very funny, like if you read through the, 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 ra the reviews on iTunes or whatever, Every now and then we'll get a one-star review from a believer that's that, and what's very what becomes instantly clear with almost all of them, almost universally, is that they haven't bothered to listen to the yeah, show of at all. Yeah, but they still would have given it a one, wouldn't they? Yeah, but they saw, but they see that there's the the word atheist, and that's all they are interested in is just yeah. I'm gonna thumb down anything that is that is that has that word attached. Sure. But that's the thing. I think that's that's sort of universal in a way. And when you're a content creator, what maybe people don't realize is like you sort of want to be critiqued on how you made the show sometimes. Yeah. So did the film, if, if you're doing video, did the video look good? Was the background nice? Was the audio good? Did we talk about the right subjects? Were we good right. journalists?
Do you appreciate the content? <laughs> yeah. But like I made a documentary about exorcism for the BBC. And if you look down the comments, all of them are just fighting with each other about whether exorcism <laughs> is real. Nobody's, what I wanted was like, what a wonderful journalist. He's clearly done his work. He's an investigative no. reporter. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's, I mean, at least they're engaging with your content. You know what sure. I mean? Like that's, that at least is kind of a thing. Yeah. At least they watched yeah. the show. You know except, what I mean? Yeah, except the ones who are giving you one stars. Yeah. Man. Well, you know, there's not much you can do about haters. They no. gon' hate. You know what I'm saying? They'd say you're a hater, wouldn't they? Yeah. Although, I will say this. Somehow mm. I have managed with my content to be the nice guy of atheism. Okay. <laughs> I think that a lot of that is sort of comparative. I mean, yeah. when when there are, rest in peace, not really, Christopher Hitchens, when there's a Hitchens in the world or has existed, when there's someone who's so like in your face and absolutist about mm. where he comes from and unwilling, uh, just pulling zero punches, I come off as being nice. I'm, <laughs> I, you know what? I, I'm, uh, I'm gentle compared to a lot, of the, a lot yeah. of the atheists out there. Hitchens wasn't renowned for his gentleness, was he? <laughs> no. No, I love the guy. I I, yeah. I miss him. We need his voice again. But but no, yeah. he was he. I mean, he had a, a genteelness about him. He had a, a. I mean, he was so smart. But yeah, he was he was perfectly willing to say something was absolutely stupid if he yeah. thought that it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, Ricky Gervais is probably the the closest that the British have anyway to to what Hitchens was doing. Yeah, I like I like Gervais, but I mean, he's no Hitch. He's funnier than Hitch was, but. <laughs> Yeah, and I've just realized that I haven't been recording audio, so I uh, you tricked me. <laughs> now I'm recording my, my audio. So. Okay, luckily neither of us have said anything of notes in the first fifteen no. minutes. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? That oh yeah, you know what? So you say this is interesting. You say that you're the nice guy of atheism because in this is this is just anecdotal. But whenever I've met somebody of Mormon origin, they've seemed particularly happy and smiley and nice what is that yeah. something almost in the same way as we look at canadians uh yes what's, what's going on there? there's a what's, lot of crossover there. yeah what's the reason for that um that is a cultural thing i this is my guess i like you know yeah. I'm, I'm not a psychologist or anything i'm not imagining it am i no no not at all not at all um as a matter of fact the pressure in mormonism is so high to be happy i think what has what has evolved in the culture is that there is a sense that if you're unhappy, then somehow you're failing at spirituality. Hmm. Because if you're doing Mormonism correctly, and if you're, uh, if, you know, if if you're minding your p's and q's and doing everything right, yeah, the the line is that you'll be happy. It leads to happiness. The end goal is always happiness. So, if you Mormon perfectly, of course you're going to be happy. Yeah. Which leads to the most insane amount of pressure to always be cheerful. And, you know, like, for instance, in the United States, one of one county in one state has the highest percentage by far of antidepressant usage in the country. And it is Utah County, the home of Provo in Utah. Right. Uh, and that is one of the highest. It, it's a super high percentage Mormon. Um, I have no idea how how high, but I'm going to guess it's above. It's around 90% Mormon wow. in Provo, Utah, and uh, they use more antidepressants than anyone in just the can't bear to be sad even for a second. 
No, because it makes you, because if you have, if you show any weakness, any sadness, it's not like anybody like berates you or anything. It's just understood to be a sign of your spiritual weakness. You used um, to Mormon as a verb there. Is that often done on your show? <laughs> no, I mean, that, it. It's a thing like it's not like Mormons talk about Mormoning, but okay. uh, I think I think it is a thing like Mormons do their lives in a very specific way, uh, both culturally and religiously. Um, it's changing, but Mormonism changes more slowly. Look, the, the, the pace of change within any dogmatic religion is obviously going to be very slow because. They have dogma. Like yeah. it's hard to wrap your head around. God said, do it this way. Oh, wait, God changed his mind. You know what I mean? Like that's really, really tricky, which is why Mormonism has gotten themselves into trouble a bunch of times, including like, you know, in, in the United States, the whole sort of uh, the civil rights movement really took off in the sixties kind of, you know, Black rights became an, uh, an, an issue of great importance in the United States in the 60s. Mormonism didn't really latch on, didn't, didn't come to terms with it until 1978, I think. Mm -hmm. And by, by come to terms with it, I mean Mormonism had theology that they, that they were tied into that said that black people were less than. Like absolutely unequivocally, because Mormonism has a sense of like, there is the afterlife, but there's also the before life. We were all what was termed intelligences. You may not have known that that could be a plural noun, but there you go. <laughs> we were all intelligences in the pre-existence. And, uh, and then there was a, a battle in heaven uh, and, you know, Satan versus Jesus and Jesus's idea was good and Satan's idea was bad. And I'll let you be the judge of whether or not that was true because Jesus's idea was everybody goes down and life is hard and everybody gets tested to see if they're good or bad. Uh, and, and then everybody gets sorted into the relative kingdoms, which, uh, you know, is their idea of heaven. And there's not really an idea of hell, but we can get into that later if you're interested. <laughs> but uh, Satan's idea was, how about everybody just passes the test automatically and we all get to go to heaven? Oh, nice. that was the bad idea. That was the evil idea. And then there's a war in heaven. You can decide, every, your listeners can decide who, who they think should have won in that battle. But there was a war in heaven. Uh, Jesus won, Satan lost, and all of the people who followed Satan and fought for his idea went straight to hell. Didn't even get a chance at this life. All not and again, not really hell, but that's a tricky matter. Anyway, right. <clears throat> all of the people who followed Jesus got to come here and go through this delightful test that we're all going through. And then there were the people who were kind of like wishy-washy about it. They were like not really gonna take a side. They were less valiant in the fight, in the battle. And those ones, they were the ones that were cursed and marked with darkness. Wow. And uh and that's where black folk come from. Oh. So there so they were less than for all of Mormon history until the night until the late 70s 
when the Mor- when the Mormons took a sharp turn on that and uh, and disavowed most of the racism. Uh, culturally, they still haven't gotten rid of it, but at mm. least sort of uh, in in their theology, they've gotten rid of it. It's so scary the idea of these like really happy, smiley people who are secretly you know big racists. Yeah, you know that's welcome to humanity, man. Yeah. He, he, <laughs> And on the How to Heretic, on my other podcast, we talk a lot about different cults and sort of they just pop up out of nowhere. And, you know, the, there's this whole Nexium thing. I don't know if you've watched any of the documentaries on HBO just came out with a documentary. And the Stars Network also came out with a documentary about this yeah. cult that just popped up that started as uh, as like sort of leadership empowerment or like business training and became this weird cult and it ended up being a sex cult and there were slave there was like sex slaves and it was it was it's it turned terrifying women were branded with this with this leader's initials anyway the fact the, the point is that like humanity is weird man like people believe crazy shit and it's pretty easy to get certain people to believe to go down whatever road you catch them at the right moment in their lives or you catch them, you know, just feeling a little vulnerable and needing some friends. And before you know it, you know, and with Mormonism, if you need some friends, you got a happy group of friends, like yeah. right on, like, you know, if, if you're just sad and you're feeling lonely and you know, two young, you know, clean cut young men knock on your door and say, Hey, we'd like to tell you about this group. They're great. And then you're yeah. like, okay, well, maybe I'll hear your pitch or whatever. And they say, hey, come to church with us or come to this event with us, this church thing, and just meet everybody. Yeah, you're going to meet a group of really nice people. They're really cool. They're they're sweet. They're kind. They don't drink. They don't smoke, uh, at least that you can see. And uh, But they're so like so glad to see you. Hmm. And, and I'm not saying it's not genuine. Like, it sounds quite nice. You're put. You're yeah. talking me round to Mormons. You're not supposed to be yeah. doing that. Yeah. Well, e- eventually you figure out. Like, there's, there's a lot of pressures on you, and also you have to believe some pretty crazy theology and stuff. But you know, it's. I, yeah. I get why people join. It's harder for me to understand why people join hate groups. You know what I mean? But they do. People join all kinds of hate groups. So yeah. I think the one, the main thing that I've learned is that. Uh, Human beings, we we think of ourselves as these sort of apex intellects out mm. there. In fairness, we are so much better at thinking and like doing things than any other critter we've encountered so far. Yeah. And yet, when it comes right down to it, we're just we're just apes with cell phones, man. We're yeah. it's so there's so much that we are terrible at that our brains are just I spoke last week with a jehovah's wit- a former jehovah's witness on the show and he was saying uh, uh, talking about cognitive dissonance um mm. the way that you know it actually hurts to be disavowed of a notion that you hold strongly so yeah. once, once somebody wants to believe whether it's mormonism or jehovah's witness or any other religion it's it's painful for them to get rid of that well, and not only that, I mean, we're talking, we talk about sort of this culture of nice people. I think once you've met a bunch of really nice people that seem sweet and kind and genuine, 
and they are, it's hard to disavow. It's hard to say to them, like if you if you reject their church that you've been sort of investigating, checking out, it feels to you like you're rejecting them. And why? Who would want to reject really nice people? So it, it works that way too. Like there's a cognitive dissonance between like, well, they seem nice, but they're yeah. You know what? Their their religion's wrong. <laughs> Like that cognitive, like th that works in their favor in yeah. even, even in drawing people into it. In that case, is there less sort of hate mail and stuff from them? Do you get hate mail from Mormons or is it, would that be sort of un-Mormon like? You've hit on something really interesting. I think you're right. Look, I don't know if you've noticed, you're not from the United States of America, but there's some pretty like acerbic things happening in this country right now. Like, I don't know if you've seen what Trump people are like, but People are screaming at each other, and that's kind of like the the gestalt of the of the United States right now is that everybody is ready to jump, fully claws out on down each other's throats, instantly for no you know for any provocation. Yeah, and Mormons are starting to catch on to that, which I'm very sad about. So there's a there's a whole group of uh, of sort of radical, angry, gun toting. Uh, very, very conservative Mormons. Wow, that exists. But for the most part, you are absolutely correct. Mormons themselves are the most passive-aggressive humans you will ever meet. It's so funny because I'd, I'd put them in like a little in my mind, right? Because I don't know much about Mormons, which is why it's so right. fascinating to talk to you. And I think a lot of people outside of the states don't. You know, we just know South Park or whatever when they've done the Mormon right. episodes. But right. I sort of do lump it in a little bit with Jehovah's Witnesses and a little bit uh, with Scientology. Um, and the Mormons seem much nicer. Whereas if you get on the wrong side of the Scientologists, you know, you're you're not going to have a nice life. Totally. That's a. I think that's fair. And and I'll, if you get on, you know, if you if you sign up to be a Jehovah's Witness and then you decide you're going to leave, they have shunning. a whole shunning thing and it's yeah. awful. Mormonism's not like that. Although Mormons sometimes shun, but that's of their own volition. They are not required to shun. But okay. like, you know, some Mormons think that it's pious to reject their gay kid or to, you know what I mean? Or, you know, if they've got a trans kid, maybe they think that they should reject that kid. That, that's not required of them. It's such a biblical thing, shunning, isn't it? You don't really hear... <laughs> do you get much shunning outside of religion? I, I mean, you do literally, people can shun people, but they never say, I'm shunning Sandra because she upset me the other day. I'm going to shun her. Yeah, and that's my word. Mormons don't use that word. Oh, they don't? No. Okay, so it's Jehovah's Witness word, definitely. That's more of a Jehovah's Witness thing to say it out loud. Right. I'm just talking about the actual action of the thing. Oh, so they don't say shun. Okay, because it's not a thing. It's just sometimes they might decide. That's just humanity, isn't it? If you disagree with yeah. someone, you go, I'm not going to talk to them. They like a different sports team to, to me. So right. that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah. But Mormons are so good at the passive aggression thing. This is kind of how that pressure plays out you know, that I was talking about earlier, the pressure to be happy, to be perfect, to, you know, you have to have a lot of kids and you have to be happy about your family and happy about the church and happy about everything. And it's not like anybody's like, sister, you don't seem happy. Are you not being churchy? But what will happen is two, you know, two women in what's called the Relief Society. This is the women's organization. We'll be talking to each other and just be like, I am so concerned about Sister Johansson. Sister oh. Johansson just doesn't seem happy these days. Is she okay? And really, 
yes, they are concerned, but also it's this, it's the, it, that is their way of kind of viciously gossiping with each other. So they talk about the men as brother so-and-so. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. I grew up with so many brothers and sisters, you wouldn't believe it. There's something quite attractive about Mormonism. It's growing on me. I mean, I'm a devout atheist, if one can be. Right. But I start. I like this idea of being... I would have hated it before, but I'm, like, I'm getting into my 30s. And I like the idea of being in a little group where I'm going, Brother brother Mark, Brother Mark, where, yeah. are, where art thou? I feel like I'm in a movie the whole time. It's quite <laughs> exciting. <laughs> yeah, we don't use the thee and the thou except in prayer. Uh, but... But I do love the brother sister thing is interesting, if for no other reason than uh, as a child, I knew how to address all of the adults. You know what I mean? And how like, was that, I, brother, like, I, father? Just, just brother so and so and brother so and so. To an adult. Yeah. So, like, I, all I had to know was their last name. I didn't have to, like, navigate do I call you Doug or do I call you brothers, you know, Smith or whatever. So, there's no, no difference for ages. Because I would have thought, like, I don't know, uncle would make more sense for somebody who's over 18 or something. I don't know. Right. Well, what's funny is that uh, for, fellow ch- for fellow kids, I just called them by their first name. Hmm. And I think, uh, you know, when you're good friends with somebody, you would just call them by their name. You wouldn't call them brother or sister so and so. But, but in a church context, when it's just a, you know, should, who, who are we going to have bring the the casserole to the event? Well, sister so and so makes a great. Oh man, I want to be a fly on the wall. I want to be and just listen to people <laughs> talking in that very pious way and saying, "Brothers, brother so and so is coming with the casserole." I love that. Yeah, well, believe me, they'll invite you. Yeah, <laughs> if you if you want to see it, go just show up. Yeah, they will they will they will let you in. They will welcome you with open arms. You just say, "I'm curious," and boom. Is Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness, and even Scientology, probably not Scientology. Are they forms of Christianity? Yeah, I would say so. I've heard plenty of Christians argue that Mormons aren't Christian. uh, And they do have uh, some slightly varying uh, theology. Mm. But the Bible is one of their books. It's not the only book, but it's one of their books. I would say that anyone who argues that Mormonism isn't Christianity is splitting hairs beyond where I'm willing to go. I would, I would definitely, you know, it's officially, it's called the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And technically we've all been asked by the current prophet not to use the term Mormon to refer to the church. Uh, And literally everybody just ignored him. which I find amazing. Where, where does the word come from? The Book of Mormon, which is uh, the the sort of foundational doc, document of... Foundational document. Let me tell you something. If you read the Book of Mormon, you will know zero more about what Mormons believe than when you started. You will just have bored yourself to tears. Um, but the story of the birth of Mormonism is that a man named Joseph Smith uh, in early 1800s, New York, upstate New York, not New York City, but upstate New York, which, by the way, this is where Mormonism and Jehovah's Witness and also uh, Seventh-day Adventism all coalesce because they all came out of the same time period in the same very small region, uh, which they which was called, it was known as the Burned Over District because it was just the a bubbling pot of sort of religious craziness and stuff just kept popping out of it. Yeah. So Mormonism, this guy, here's what's interesting about Joseph Smith. He was a fascinating character. Uh, I, both of my parents were LDS historians, were Mormon historians. 
So I was raised sort of steeped in the in the history of Mormonism. I wasn't that interested. What is a Mormon historian? You, is that is that somebody who's outside of the faith looking in or somebody very much? <laughs> no. I wish. <laughs> uh, not in this case, no. Uh, both of them were devout Mormons, um, but also intellectuals, like genuine intellectuals. Both of them had PhDs from, from respectable schools and that sort of thing. Um, but but yeah, they studied Mormon history. Well, that shows how strong it is, belief, isn't it? Because you get such smart people. And look at us being patronizing like that. Look at me being I patronizing. Know. Such smart people believe these things, not like me, the cleverest guy in the room. <laughs> right. Well, and you know, it's funny because I have been asked, a lot of Mormons get used to ex-Mormons, people who used to be Mormon, being very dismissive about Mormonism and being very uh, often quite rude about it. And uh, and what I've come to is I can't I can't be dismissive about people in religion because I have known so many brilliant intellects who believe in things deeply that I think are ridiculous things you know notions and I you know I've I've met insanely intelligent Jews and insanely intelligent Muslims and I've I've met far too many people who are smarter than I am, who, who believe this stuff for me to be, I, I, I couldn't possibly be too, uh, too snooty about it. I just wanted to take a moment to thank this episode's sponsor, Podcorn. Oh, what's a Podcorn? Some of you are screaming angrily on your leisurely stroll, while others smile with a twinkle in their eyes, fully aware of exactly what Podcorn is, a marketplace connecting podcasters to amazing podcast sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads like this one, interview segments, topical discussions, and more. Now, if you think an advert on a podcast about podcast adverts is getting a little meta, it's about to go even deeper, so buckle up. I even used Podcorn myself to set up this very advert about Podcorn. It was easy, the platform was free to use, took a few minutes to sign up, and then I got to choose from hundreds of brands looking for podcasts. With Podcorn, there's no middleman. Podcasters of all sizes can choose opportunities right on the platform. You set your own rates and work directly with brands. You never give up any rights to your podcast and Podcorn is there to support you at every step and to make sure you get paid. The idea is to give podcasters transparency and full control over how and when they monetize. Click the link in my show notes to sign up to Podcorn and start looking for sponsors. I value my intelligence pretty highly. I think I'm a pretty smart guy, but when I was you know, in my teens, I was certain Mormonism was true. It wasn't until, you know, I, it was my late teens when I, when I finally, when the pieces started to fall apart, but you know, very, very smart people can believe a lot of crazy shit. So was it a big deal for you when it started to fall apart? Oh, it was huge. It was terrifying. Tell me a bit about, so what's it like growing up as, as, a, as, a, as a Mormon, as you were, and then leading up to that? Point? Well, okay. So I grew up in Salt Lake City, which is kind of the epicenter of Mormonism. It's, it's where the, the church headquarters are. And, and it's, and, you know, I grew up in an area where in my neighborhood, all of the kids were Mormon. So all of the people I played with, everybody I knew was Mormon. So it was just normal. I mean, it, it was just it didn't feel like there was a lot of pressure. There was, but it didn't feel, that felt normal. And what kinds of things were you guys doing that, that would, to me, be very strange or different? Used to be three hours of church every week. Mm. Plus, there were uh, meetings for 
the young the young men or the young women. Uh, plus, you were expected to be in Boy Scouts. Plus, you like there was a lot of demands on your time. Basically, they're just keeping tabs on you at all points. And all of that felt very normal and very natural to me because I it was my whole life. And three hours of church, which now I look back and realize that it was the most misery you can inflict on an eight-year-old who has ADHD. You know what I mean? Like oh, it is an insane thing to make a child sit through, let alone an, I mean, adults, it's bad enough. Yeah. So, excuse me, I just burped. You can edit that. Uh, edit that. Man, all the time I'm talking and I feel I'm going to burp and I think I can't possibly burp in a in an <laughs> interview. I can't. It's yeah. the worst. Sometimes it's, you yeah. know, scientists or people like you, you know, a prominent atheist or whatever. I can't start, you know, and sometimes I... <laughs> Just I sort of move. I sort of be listening, and I'll move, sort of move back like yeah. that for for no reason, and just yeah, exactly. One of those. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so then everything seems normal. Yeah. You're all you know. You're enjoying. You're you're just living your life. And here's the thing: Mormons talk about knowing that the church is true. They don't believe it. They know it. Uh, and we have what what we call fast and testimony meeting which is where we've all fasted for the morning we've all none of us have eaten anything which is just another great way to experience church yeah and then mormons will talk you know then just the lay people get up and they talk about uh their they they bear their testimony which is you know i know that this church is true and it it kind of gets a little rote it's not meant to be. It's meant to be sort of improvisational thing. But, you know, I it, it always starts with, I'd like to bear my testimony sure. that I know this church is true and that I know that Joseph Smith was a real prophet and that our leaders are prophets of God who have revelation. And I and yeah. I just and they start to cry because Mormons are criers. Oh, and uh, is it competitive? Yeah. Yeah. It, it like competitive uh uh who cares the most <laughs> yeah uh piety i guess yeah. yes it's like everybody's showing off how how pious they are yeah and it can be worse in some you know some wards a ward is basically a parish and it can be worse in some wards than others but yeah. uh but yeah it can get it sounds like social media nowadays well both on both sides <laughs> of the political spectrum yeah totally totally yeah. I mean, it, that's a very human thing too, right? Yeah. So there I am. I'm uh, I'm in this world where everyone knows for a fact Joseph Smith was visited by angels and then visited by Jesus Christ and God himself. And all of these things are actually happened. And Joseph, you know, translated this book from golden plates that he found in the ground. I never got to that story. But yeah, he in like basically in his backyard in somewhere in palmyra new york he dug the, the the angel showed him where to dig he found these plates of gold which he pulled out of the ground and uh and i don't know how he had the strength because i don't know if you know this but gold is heavier than lead anyway <laughs> on it was written in a language called reformed egyptian the story of a bunch of jews who left jerusalem during a tribulation and sailed to the americas on a boat that God taught them how to make. And that's where the Native Americans come from. Oh, okay. That is where American Indians uh, got their, their real uh, start. And, uh, and so, this is, so the Book of Mormon is the story of 
these uh, these Jews who came to the Americas and turned into Indians. Wow. Uh, anyway, yeah, we were talking about me deconverting. Here's yeah. the thing. I, there I am. I'm a teenager now. I'm thinking about it. I am, you know, sort of processing. I I'm all in. I'm I'm a total believer. But the one experience that I haven't had that was promised to me was the experience of feeling God confirm the truth of it to me. And I had had spiritual feelings, you know, you sing hymns in church and sort of the music overwhelms you and you feel a spiritual feeling. And I, so I had felt that, but had I felt God just say to me, yes, this is true. No. So I decide to pray and I decide to fast and I do all of the things that one would do uh, with my training to determine that this is true. Hmm. How long did you fast? Oh, it would be a day here or a day there. Like 24 or, you know, hours. It, yeah. I, sometimes it would just be like I'd skip a couple meals. Sometimes I'd skip the whole day. It Just whatever. Just waiting for I'd a sign. I'd make myself mildly uncomfortable. You know <laughs> what I mean? But like, it was, yeah, I wasn't pulling a Gandhi here. But I did get pretty intense about it. So there was about a six-month period where it got more and more desperate as I didn't feel this this prompting, you know, the more I prayed and didn't feel it, the more terrified I became because it wasn't happening. So I'm imagining like a, a filmic movie scene of you in, in bits and pieces, like on the floor, like, why won't I get a sign? Oh, yeah. Imagine a teenager literally kneeling at the side of his bed, weeping because God hasn't spoken to him. And there was, so it got more and more intense. There was about a six month period where I was reading scripture every day. I was praying every day. I was begging God, please, please let me feel this feeling. I know you're there. I know it. I have no doubt. I, I must be doing something wrong. You know what I mean? Like, then I turn it back on myself. I'm bad. I'm, I've got to repent for all the things that I've done wrong. Shoot, I touched somebody's, some girl's boobs like four months ago. So now I've got to repent for that because that was terrible of me. And uh, and oh, and I I just tore my heart out trying to have this experience. And then eventually, I just said, God, I I can't do this anymore. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random 
random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. Hey, it's Andrew. If you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on What Could Go Right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. I, this has been, it was so psychological, it was so demoralizing that I couldn't handle it. So I just said, I'm going to back off of this, God, but if you're there, you'll come to me like I'm still open to it. I still want it. I still want it, but I can't keep praying like this. I can't keep torturing myself. And the second I backed off, I allowed myself to go, okay, well, this is, here's the thing. Mormons claim that they've questioned the gospel. They haven't. What they do, I don't know what the process is, but I had th I thought I had really asked myself the hard questions. And it wasn't until I backed off of that in a really intense period that I went, oh, I can ask the real questions now. And so I asked myself questions, you know, this is back in, in the early 90s. So we hadn't really gotten, as a, as a society, we hadn't sorted out a lot of things about, you know, gay people were still kind of outcasts. I mean, they kind of are still in a lot of circles, but, but I mean, it was, it, it was sort of de rigueur that you would, that you would like the, the gay people were bad. And then, but I'm, I was an actor. I'm, I am an actor. You're not in theater without bumping into some gay folk. And I realized that these were not bad people. And what I had been told my whole life about gay people was that they were choosing it, mm. that it was, uh, that it was a sin that they were choosing. And then I met a couple of gay people who had attempted suicide because they were so upset that they couldn't change that part of themselves. Oof. And I, and then I was like, wait, you don't attempt suicide for something you're choosing. You know what I mean? Like, if you're just choosing it because it's sinful, that doesn't lead you to suicide. So that got me asking real questions. And eventually I was like, oh, I get it. 
Mormonism's wrong. Holy shit. Wow. And then it was like, okay, well, obviously God's still true, but Mormonism, I'm going to back <laughs> off of that. And then eventually it was like, wait a minute, wait, I've ta- I, there's one more step I could take. Is God real? And that's when I went, oh, uh, yeah, no, no, that's not real. <laughs> I wonder if there's another step that we can't see yet. <laughs> like, some, is something else not real? I don't know. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There None must be. Real. We obviously all have our biases. So tell me, yeah. what you're, I mean, look, so then you're a teenager or in your early 20s, and you've got parents who are quite into the church, and they're historians of Mormonism. So what? Yeah. how does that go down? Well, the nice thing is that my parents were genuine intellectuals in the sense that like their curiosity about the the universe was real and honest and open. And so they were pretty liberal about the whole thing. They, and look, I was not an easy kid to raise. I was a sad kid and I had ADHD and I had all of these sort of other things, you know, I was a very anxious kid and all this stuff. So I think by that point, they were just like, look, man, keep yourself alive. Whatever it is, just, we'll just support you where, wherever you go. Just, uh, just do good by you yeah. by that point. So I, I was lucky in that sense because uh, other people who have left the church, it causes turmoil for them. Um, my, my wife was still attending church when I met her. Um, so she was in her late twenties. I mean, if you had asked her, she would say, yes, I still believe. I don't think that she believed at that point, but you know, it's just, it's, she was coasting at that point. So when she met me, I didn't push her to leave the church or anything, but led her to sort of open up to her own truth, which turned out to be that she didn't believe in the church either. Well, when she finally told her parents about that, it was rough. It was bumpy. You know, she or her dad almost disowned her. Um, he ended up not. And thing, things are great now. I get along with them. They get along with me. They did not like me. Let me tell you something. They found the, the, before they met me, they somebody else had sort of told them, well, I don't like the guy that Andrea's dating. He's a he's an atheist. He swears Blah, blah, blah. He has kind of, I had kind of shaggy long hair at the time, which right. Mormons are very clean cut people. They had decided they didn't like me from the beginning. Oh, and <laughs> we were living together at the time, which living in sin, Shit. not okay for them. Oh, so that, that they had gotten all of that before they met me. And her dad, who was a Mormon and a banker. And let me tell you something. You will not find someone who has shaken more hands than a Mormon banker. You know what I mean? Like the handshake is 90% of that man's communication. Yeah. And he refused to shake my hand when I put out my hand when I first met him. Well, why meet you then? I would just not meet. I'd rather not meet the person than go and shake, <laughs> not shake their hand. Just makes it awkward. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, he, that's, that, that was his choice. He, mm. he went for the awkward. I hope he's not listening to this. Oh, no, no. He doesn't <laughs> listen to my podcast. He knows I do a podcast and here's here's how Mormons work. He knows that I'm atheist. He knows that I do a podcast. He has put together without asking that my podcast is probably atheist related. He has never asked me a single question about my podcast. I, something I, something I often um, ask people who have left religions and things like that. Um, I mean that the, the image you painted of like you know being a teenager and 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 
dealing with that in your mind um does that ever leave you in what ways does it still manifest itself today man you know there there are tendrils like yeah i i i sort of think of it like almost like a, a brain tumor that works its way into all these different parts of your brain. Yeah. And my job, my life's work is to sort of continually reprocess everything and find yeah. the little places where it's invaded my brain and reconsider the world without it. So yeah. Yeah. Decades after I left the church, I was still dealing with sexual hangups from the church because the Mormon church is, you know, insanely intense about sex. And you, you know, it is It is as evil, literally the, in the hierarchy of evil things, having sex before marriage, it comes right below murder. Wow. They're like, it's like murder a person, have sex below marriage. And I'll tell you why I didn't hear that because I'm a boy and uh. girls literally young girls. I'm not saying women. I'm saying girls in the church hear that message so much more intensely than boys. So I still got the messaging, but not as intensely as a girl would. Okay. But yeah. I, so like all these sexual hangups, cause, cause I was, as I mentioned earlier, I was still doing stuff with girls as a teenager, mm. even as a Mormon teenager. Cause you know, I had the hormones that we all have, you know, I had the imp impulses yeah. and the urges that teenage young teenagers have. Where, uh, where did, I mean, uh, where did those hangups lead to um, specifically, unless you don't want to talk about that on a show for thousands of people? No, I'm totally open about it. Great. <laughs> Here's the thing. So I would go and I would make out with a girl and then I would touch her boobs and then, Oh God, I feel so bad for the women that I dated as a young person. I would touch them we would have a, a fun time. I, I, I wouldn't like have penetrative sex with them, but I would do everything I could up to that point. And then the next day I would be with them and I'd be like, oh, we can never do that again. Oh my God. That, that's, I wouldn't even say, oh my God, because we didn't say that, but I, I would feel so guilty and so bad. And I would have to pray for forgiveness and I would have to go to my bishop and say, I did this thing with this girl and I feel so awful about it. And I just, I would shred myself yeah. because I knew I had done something so horrible and it felt so good. And so I, I was mean, like, forgive me, but I mean, uh, for, for asking, but how did you even in those circumstances achieve, you know, uh, erection, I suppose it's not, I said it like it's a bad word, but it's not, um, because I think a lot of teenagers struggle with that anyway, with all the anxiety that around it and and everything. Uh, the erections came pretty naturally. <laughs> I never had a problem with that myself. <laughs> like I can see why somebody might. And on, yeah. you know, on my show, How to Heretic, uh, yeah. our one of my co-hosts, Mark, has talked about how he, because he's gay. Okay. So he suppressed his sexuality so thoroughly. Yeah. That he didn't even masturbate until his mid twenties, wow. let alone like explore anybody else. Yeah, so that's got to lead to like erection. The reason I ask about erection problems because it's a real uh, indelible mark, a physical mark on you from the from the mental anguish. Yeah, uh, I, what what I what I had to work myself through was pangs of guilt 
about something that should be beautiful and fun. It doesn't have to be beautiful. Even me saying beautiful is fucking Mormonism coming in and beating me over the head because sex can just be play. Yeah. It can just be fun. But I had two options. It was either next to murder in in terms of evilness or you're married in the temple, in the Mormon temple, and then it's this beautiful thing. Huh. So it's either evil, like pure evil, <laughs> or beautiful. And let me tell you something. I've heard so many Mormons talk about they, you know, they they had that dichotomy in their head. And it's not like going through the temple, getting, you know, getting married, having it blessed by Jesus. It's not like that flips the switch easily in your brain between evil and beautiful. It's not like that's suddenly some magic tonic that makes yeah. all of that programming go away. So people have intense sexual problems, even in a good Mormon marriage, because it's been this horrid thing right up until that moment. And then it's supposed to be easy and and beautiful. Sure. I bet that's a big part of the antidepressants you were talking about in Mormon societies. Sure. Absolutely. It's, I yeah. mean, and, and, and even then, like, it's not like you're supposed to explore your sexuality. Yeah. You know, you're supposed to have good, clean, you know, missionary position, yeah. straight sex. Wait, there's another position? <laughs> there, there might be. There might be. So if you get clever about it. From what you're telling me, because there's something I wanted to ask you, and now I'm thinking it can't possibly be true, which is one of the biggest rumors about Mormons uh, ever, which is um, polygamy. Oh. So I'm now imagining that's not, or that is a thing. 100% it was a thing. It was a thing. Yeah. Mormonism uh, started polygamy back with Joseph Smith. Hmm. Um, like so many cults, the leader suddenly realized, well, I have so much control over these people. Yeah. And I've got this wife person, but obviously I want to fuck more than my wife. Sure. Because I'm the cult leader. <laughs> and his workaround for that was, uh, the Lord told me to take more wives. Hmm. That's, so, that's really funny because, you know, you're talking about Hitchens before. And I think maybe actually the best uh, comparison to him today would not be Gervais, but it might be Salman Rushdie. And and what you just said is exactly what he got the fatwa for in the satanic verses, the suggestion that yeah. Muhammad was going behind a rock and sort of coming back and saying, yeah, well, you know, Allah says right. that I can uh, have as many wives as I want and all of that kind of thing. I, I honestly think that there might be a pretty deep parallel between Allah and Joseph Smith. Right. Uh, I haven't actually really played that out in my mind before, be but I like it. I think it's oh yeah, yeah. Muhammad. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. but we're not uh, saying it, that you or I. That was Salman Rushdie who said that. So <laughs> we did not say that. Right. Yeah. Let's you're, be clear. You, 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 you're you're closer to well. Yeah. I believe I have already said enough things that if you know if the Muslims want to get mad at me, they're already there. Oh man, I would never criticize Islam. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Just not, <laughs> just not doing it. We've done. We did no, do an ex-Muslim. We had for those of you yeah. listening at home. I can tell. Uh, he is drawing a picture of uh, Moh uh, of Muhammad and Allah right now. You're, I see you doing it. I see you doing it. Oh no! Oh no! Oh, this no. is it. My parents aren't going to be happy. They're going to be worried about me now. No, I didn't do it. He didn't do it. No one <laughs> I know has done it. I haven't translated a book that had nothing to do with me. That was also a heretic <laughs> or whatever. I'm not an apostate of any sort. Um, don't let them know I'm Jewish. I, yeah. I think that there that is a uh, a valid sort of comparison. Mm. Joseph Smith and Muhammad. I like it. Uh, <laughs> it Muhammad, according to the satanic, the satanic verses, take on Muhammad. I don't. 
I, I think that was that was just Rushdie with his literary. You know, he was like, "That's how I imagine he did it." Sure, sure. But I mean, I, so so Joseph Smith did start to take m- more wives, uh, unless you ask. What's funny is Mormonism has split a whole bunch of times. So there's a there are there was what was known as the reorganized Church of of uh, Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, which is now the Community of Christ, and they still exist. But they don't believe that Joseph Smith took extra wives, uh, even though he definitely did. Right. Uh, and then uh, and then subsequent prophets of the church made it so that all the Mormon men could take extra wives. And then uh, the U.S. government started. You know, then they wanted Utah to become a, a state in in uh, because when when the Mormons first fled to Utah, which is in the Western United States. It wasn't in the Western United States at that time. It was part of Mexico at that time. And they were actually trying to leave the country. Oh. And they did. They successfully got to Mexico. Then the U.S. sort of had, there was a war and there was this stuff. And this became part of the United States again. And so they were, they left the U.S. and then the U.S. came to them. Right. And okay. then they wanted full enfranchisement as a state. But the polygamy thing had become a huge scandal. And so it became clear that if they were going to be enfranchised in the United States, uh, they were going to need to get rid of it, and eventually they did. Is there none of that going on at all? Or do you, would you have known people growing up who in, in the church were secretly sort of still doing it? No, not not in what I call the downtown church or the Brighamites, the, yeah. the followers of Brigham Young. The official Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints gave it up way back in the early 1900s, and really it went away. Yeah. But there are fundamentalist groups that split off at that moment because they believed that it was true because they had been told that it was like the word of God had said, this is yeah. the only, this is the way. Yeah. So they believed that. So they split off. So there are still practicing fundamentalist people who would call themselves Mormons yeah. uh, who still do uh, polygamy. Ironically, I didn't have polygamy in my life growing up. And now I'm uh, I'm what is known, and I hate this word, but I'm I'm polyamorous. So oh, right. I have a wife and a girlfriend, a, a partner. I ironically I've circled back to what they had, you know, back in the 1800s. We're gonna have to have a whole other episode about that now, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? You know when I said, does any of it leave you? Maybe that sort of. You know, is it, is it a turn on because it's like a, it's like, I shouldn't be doing it. I've left the church and the church is against that nowadays anyway. And I'm sort of, strangely, I don't think so. Strangely, I think it's the opposite. When I became an apostate, when I, you know, when I went into heresy, not only did I, uh, you know, did it free me to question things about the theology that I was raised in, but I I was able to question things about sort of the, my society as a whole. Sure. And I think that in doing that, I started to ask myself about things like, you know, this amazing institution of marriage and monogamy. And I ended up realizing that I thought that was kind of bullshit, too. So 150 years after Joseph Smith thought of quite a similar thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) I I should start my own religion. I should start a cult. How how (laughs) do your, your girlfriend and wife get along? Well, oh, they love each other. Oh man! It it was yeah. That hasn't been a problem actually. That's mm. been great. Uh, we've gone on we go on trips together. My wife and her boyfriend and me and my partner. We is it okay for her to have a boyfriend? Because yeah, it sounds quite egalitarian now. No, yeah. I I I that would be where I would be the huge hypocrite if yeah. I if you know if I because that was the rule of Mormonism. Sure. Men could have many wives. 
women were tied down to that one guy. Are you, are you never jealous? Ever? Yeah. Man, jealousy is real. But you deal with it. Yeah, I feel like, you know, here's one of the things. I have definitely encountered jealousy. One of the weird, one of the, the, the things that's cropped up more in my life. And this is, look, I have a very limited experience with this. I'm not part of any poly groups or anything sure. like that. So I, I have some other friends who are like that, but mostly it's just, I'm kind of on my own on this, but what's come up more than jealousy is, uh, is envy. And the difference being, uh, rather than feeling a sense of like, like you're mine and, and I'm jealous that you're going off with somebody else. It's like, Oh, you guys got to go to Vegas. Yeah. Oh, I didn't get to go on that, on the trip that you guys went on, or yeah. you guys got to do a cool thing that I didn't get to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And the sex. Ah, sex is, you know, sex is something that I, uh, I just, I, I, I have a totally different view of sex than, than I was raised with. Obviously I, I've, yeah. I've expanded what sex means to me and I, it's not, it's not as big a deal as it was. It sounds quite liberating. I, actually. I quite like that. I like that. It's I, for me, it's been delightful. It, it's definitely, it's a process to get to that point. Hmm. But when you realize, when I realized that uh, I was, I'm a person, you know, we're all, it's not like you get married and then you stop being attracted to other humans. It doesn't turn off. You know what I mean? You can sort of try and turn it off and continually like keep rejiggering yourself so that you don't think of other people in that way, but it's there. And I'm a person and I've realized that about what I've realized about myself and this is, again, this is, this came from freeing myself from the limited, when you, when you're raised in the most limited thinking that exists, when you let go of it, you get to let go of all the limiting thinking. So what I finally realized about myself is I, I like sex and I like it with lots of people and I don't have it with lots of people. I'm, I, it's funny after I divorced my first wife, I'd really tried to make a slut phase happen for me. I wanted to just go out and have sex with everybody. Yeah. It turns out Mormon boys aren't good at that. Yeah. I was terrible at it. I just it's couldn't make it easy, happen. It's not easy, is it? You no, know what? Not. That's so funny. I've When I was about 20, so we're talking a, a long time ago now, over, over a decade, but I had a girlfriend yeah. and I thought, I think she was cheating on me. So I thought, right, I'm going to get revenge. I'm going to go out. <laughs> I'm going to go out on town and, and, you know, find something in London and, and cheat on her. And my friend came out with me and we were like, yeah, we're going to cheat because you deserve it because you've been wronged. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, nobody wanted to talk to me all night. <laughs> and you hear these stories of these guys who were like, I, I, I said no and I just couldn't resist it. And you're like, what? Where are you getting all these yeah. offers from? <laughs> yeah. I put out all the wrong vibes for that, I think. So. Yeah, yeah, I know that. I know the feeling, man. So me too. But I don't know. Maybe we're too self-analytical. People, it's not. It's not attractive. Um, no. I, I've got a question for you. From I'm doing a new thing because I just got a Patreon. Are you on Patreon? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both of my shows have have Patreons. Just got started with it, um, and one of the things was if people go to one of the tiers, they if they're like one of the first or second person, they can ask a question to the guest I have. Oh, nice. So this one's from Jess Schultz in Germany. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Dan. I just wanted to ask how you feel about the depiction of Mormons in pop culture. So, for example, the shows Sister Wise, Big Love, or the musical Book of Mormon. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Interestingly, Mormonism has sort of become a darling of pop culture. Like, pop culture wants 
to play with Mormonism. Uh, I think because I, you know, it, it's, I think it's fascinating. I think, you know, one thing I've learned doing a pod, you know, podcasting as an ex Mormon about religion for nine years is that people love to hear about Mormonism. Yeah. Uh, and I think for the most part, here's what's funny. You know how, you know, that sense that you have, I don't know if you have any, uh, siblings, but yeah. like I'm an older brother and I have this sense of like, only I'm allowed to beat up my little sister, like all through life. Like if somebody else beat her up, I'd be mad, yeah. but I'd mess with her sort of mercilessly. Uh, I have that feeling about Mormonism. Like you better get it right. If you're going to make fun of them and you don't know what you're talking about, I don't give you a pass. Like I want you to get it right. Okay. The, the South Park guys, interestingly, cause they, you know, they talked about Mormonism on South Park and then they made fun of it in the book of Mormon, the musical, which I had the opportunity to see pretty early in its run in New York, and I didn't go because I wanted to see it when it came to Salt Lake City because I thought that was going to be the moment, and I was I was right to do so. Wow, what was it I like watching you. Book of Mormon in Salt Lake City? Are most people oh my god, Mormons? it was amazing. <laughs> I I can't imagine what it was like for the performers because the thing about the Book of Mormon is there's a lot of jokes. Like everybody's going to enjoy themselves. It's really it's yeah. a fun fun musical, uh, but there are a number of jokes where, and I had friends who went to it in New York and those friends were there. And there were certain jokes that like 12 people in dis different parts of the theater would laugh at. And the same 12 people would laugh sort of in unison to various jokes in the thing that nobody else in the room got. But when they came to Salt, when they came to Salt Lake city, let me tell you something everybody got all the jokes. I'm sure that it was just like they, like I'm guessing that those performers didn't know what hit them because it was just roaring. I thought you were going to say the opposite, like silence. Oh no. Well, because, because all of the ex Mormons came out in oh, force. You know what I mean? Okay. This wasn't the Mormons going to see right, the show. Right. This was the ex Mormons. This was all the people who had left the church coming to see this. I've actually seen the Book of Mormon, the musical twice. And the first time I saw it, I was really watching to see if they got the Mormonism right. And I was laughing my ass off because they, they nailed it wow. so hard. Little, you know, little technical things that they got wrong, but didn't matter. The, uh, the, the sort of the gestalt of Mormonism, they, they nailed it so hard. I was screaming. The second time I watched it was when I noticed that it was like really racist. Like the play itself, the way that they depict Mormons, I was totally okay with. The way that they depicted the little African village that the Mormon oh, missionaries go to, right? I was deeply not okay with. Yeah, but that's South Park, isn't it? Yeah, but it was, but it was also so like, you know, it's these Mormon idiot, Mormon kids teaching these simpleton Africans who right. clearly were. I I wasn't okay with that. So so now I've kind of soured on it, but not for the portrayal of the Mormons, which yeah. I think is spot on. Okay. I'm There's a song in it called uh, Turn It Off, which is about like, if you have any negative feelings, this is what we were talking about earlier. If you have any negative feelings, if you have any anything that sort of doesn't make sense in your brain, you know, if you happen to be attracted to someone who's the same gender as you, just turn it off like a light switch. It goes click. It's a brilliant song. And that more than anything will sum up what Mormon, what the Mormon culture is all about.
By the way, as we were saying our goodbyes, Dan and I spoke for another few minutes about how he went to my home city of London, met the Archbishop of London, who is also a lord, and tricked him into doing a podcast interview with him. Since it wasn't part of the natural flow of conversation, I cut it from the episode, but have included it at the end of the Patreon version, which is also totally free of advertisement or advertisement, as Americans say. There's uh, a lot of Americans listening now. So do you say advertisement? Maybe you say commercial. Commercial? Terrible accent again. It Commercial. I'm watching a commercial. Come on. Right. It's not something I intend to do every week, the sort of cutting and bonus sort of stuff for the patrons, but just when there happens to be a story that goes off-piste and doesn't fit in with the narrative, I thought it might be something that the hardcore fans of the podcast would appreciate and enjoy. Um, Remember, you can become a patron and support this podcast and hear that Archbishop of London story by visiting patreon.com slash andrewgold. You'll also then be able to send in your audio questions as Jess Schultz did so brilliantly in today's episode. Thank you so, so much to this week's new patrons, by the way. There's Julieta Finkelstein, who happens to be my partner of six years, Greg Bishop, Daley Brennan in Paris, and Joel Bowman in London. You are making this thing happen. I edited this on the 1st of December, so if you signed up later than that, I'll give you a shout-out on the following podcast. Oh, and before I forget, there's a special offer of a 15% discount, which you'll have forever if you sign up in the next week. You've got one more week, so get in there fast for that bonus content and ad-free podcast, as well as loads of other benefits. Otherwise, do check out the podcast's YouTube page for video clips so you can see what we all look like. Dan was in a lovely studio that his wife designed, so it's definitely worth a look. And what a great guest Dan was. He's really something, and I can see why his shows, Thank God I'm Atheist and The How-To Heretic, are doing so well. If you've come here from one of Dan's podcasts, welcome and make sure to subscribe. As I do a lot of crossover themes I think you'll like, it was great speaking to Dan, and I hope we get to again soon. I love how honest he was about everything from his childhood to his sexual proclivities. I found it fascinating how Joseph Smith and the early Mormons were known for their polygamy and that Dan, an ex-Mormon, is now exploring and enjoying polyamory. Polygamy and polyamory are sort of two sides of the same coin, and yet they're polar opposites when you contrast the liberation involved in polyamory with the oppression of basically owning a bunch of wives, as is the case with polygamy. Thanks for all the kind messages in the week. I love keeping up with you all and feeling like we've got a bit of a community, especially during the bleak COVID lockdown winter. So thanks for keeping me company. You can find me on andrewgold underscore OK. I'm always responsive and happy to get a message from a listener. I got a particularly lovely one this week from Charlie through LinkedIn. I didn't ask if I could use his name, so I haven't said his full name um, and I won't read it all out but it was really nice to read Charlie and the same goes for Adrian on Instagram who very much enjoyed the Helen Pluckrose interview and I loved hearing from the intriguingly named Gay Foch in France. I'm speaking to a few people about who will be next on the show and will keep you up to date on social media and everything whoever it is I'll make sure they're fascinating. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.